everybody. Welcome back to Newton's Nuggets. It's the show that people are talking about because I don't know. I don't know, actually. Um, I mean, I started we, listening to the show in the car the other day. I was like, who's listening to this? <laughs> mate, I, I, do you know what? And, and we're still getting feedback and stuff, and we still get people contacting us. And then every so often we get weird things like this. For those listening on the podcast, Paul is currently holding up a magazine article. Easy for you to say. <laughs> for those of you listening on the podcast, occasionally I have to try and speak. <laughs> Look, there's a magazine with, at the top of it, it says Paul's Growing Nuggets. And then there's a picture of me and of Jesse. And it's, yes, I, it's locked out, lockdown, Jesse. So there's an awful lot of hair going on there. Lockdown hair. Ladies and gents, you have to go and see it to believe it. It's awesome. Um, and, and yeah, welcome back. You're here. Thank you. Um, this weekend has been mental. I've been out doing shows. I've been with people. Um, it's, it's weird. I had to drive away from my house, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, I did live music photography yesterday. <clears throat> Which are re- live? Yeah, at music. a gig where people stood up and dancing around and stuff. Was there drinking as well? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's there's lots of people that I've never met before and they were all friendly and stuff. I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> um But that's that's enough about oh, I've gotta to, gotta to show off the mug to the YouTubers because my tea's getting cold and I need to drink it, otherwise I'll miss out on tea. And that, you know that moment when you remember you had a cup of tea, you look over, it's still there, and then you find it's really cold. Yeah. Just upsetting. Uh, for for those of you on the podcast, Paul is currently drinking his tea. I told you. Oh, good. <laughs> Mrs. Paulie makes a good cup of tea. Um, right, so there you go. That's all the sensible stuff out of the way. Today, we're interviewing a guy called Mr. Ben Drury. Now, I met Ben because of Only Networking. The, the, the They're actually sponsoring us for this show. And I'm really chuffed they are, because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have met Ben. And it's really strange for me to meet somebody who helps companies with psychology and their people and how to get their people working better, how to get their people enjoying being there better. And I agree with everything they're saying. (laughs) So many times people try and use tools or assessments and they use them badly. It's unbelievable. Ben does this to try and get the best for everybody. And seriously, He's also worked with only networking themselves just to make sure the culture of the whole networking business environment is right for them and their followers. And Um, I'd say as well, the really interesting thing with with Ben um, and the way that he goes about dealing with things means that even if you're a one person business at the moment, because I know there's a lot of those that listen to the show, if they're whether you are looking at outsourcing to to people and i know a lot of people use things like people like vas and and different companies like that Um, or if you're growing and at some point you might start looking at hiring the ben yeah knowing what ben has to say now will save you a lot of pain in the future do you know what when he was talking um do you recall quite a while ago now we had somebody say they wanted to work with us and and we both went "Eh, not sure I think it's because of what Ben talked about. Yeah, possibly. There was a different attitude from this person to us and the way we do things. Um, 
loved their work, loved everything they currently do, but we both went, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That was weird. That was weird. We've also had other people offer to work with us, and we're like, you know, we don't pay, right? And they disappeared. Jokes coming from truth. Now, this is what Ben is talking about. He's talking all about culture within businesses. I for for the podcasters, I'm showing his book. You can get this on Amazon. And I tell you what, Jesse, would you mind finding a link for this on Amazon? Uh, Yes, I have the Um, link. Awesome. And actually, you've got a spare copy, haven't you? Yes. Ben very kindly has made sure that myself and Jesse can read a copy of his book and we're obviously going to wreck them. And something he's put on the front of the book, which I absolutely love, is you can write in this book. It's yours. You're allowed to do drawings in it if you want to. Um, and even that, I like that. Now, the the spare copy, have we thought about how we're going to give that away? Uh, currently thinking about it. Uh, yeah, everyone that's listening knows that when I say, have we thought about it, I'm really saying, have you got an idea? <laughs> um, we'll think of something. We're going to think of a reason that one of you guys can get this copy of the book and you'll get it from us, also lovingly from Ben. Um, and there might even be a little nuggety present from us as well. I can find something. I'll find us something that'll be good. Um, we'll have a think about it. Actually, I've got it. I've got it, Jesse. Okay, and you can. We'll, Jesse, we'll discuss you, it in the break, shall we? Oh, no, 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 no. oh, you're trying to say don't say the idea in case it's rubbish, aren't you? I would never say that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gents, without any further ado, and so me and Jesse can go and talk in the green room. Here is. Ben Drury. Newton's Nuggets. So, this advert is about only networking. That's the only dot N-E-T-W-O-R-K. The only dot N-E-T-W-O-R-K. Now, it's business networking, but not as you know it. They've shaken up business networking by making it more about the people and less about the boring. Seriously, I go along to these network events. They're really great. They're run by really nice people. Every single group they have has people that want to love you and hug you and look after you. It just feels different. And you know what? If you go to one of their events, you might even bump into some dodgy bloke in a trilby and he'll look after you as well. Go and have a look at their website. It really is an awesome network to be part of. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Newton's Nuggets. Right, as we said a minute ago, we have Ben Drury in today. He is the culture guy. Now, I'm not going to go too far into what he does, but basically, Ben and I met each other through networking, through him working with an organisation and getting some amazing results for them. And then I sent him quite an abusive message saying, why haven't we spoken properly? Because <laughs> um, <laughs> we kept kind of missing each other. I was mildly abusive, and he came back with, let's chat tomorrow and we did and we ended up doing the typical business owner thing of we'll put an hour in the diary and then very untypically went way over it and just ended up chatting about everything so ladies and gents this is the man that i can happily now call one of my buddies mr ben drury ben hello mate how are you doing paul what an introduction 
Yeah, I remember that. I, I still don't know whose fault it was that we never got together earlier, but I'm so glad we did. Yeah, I know. It was a case of every time we were in the same meeting rooms, we'd say, we need to chat. Yeah, we need to chat. Yeah, we need to chat. We need to... And neither of us ever actually committed to being the person that would organise it. Um, and then and then when I was falling asleep one night, I thought, right, you get it. That's it. We're going to chat. <laughs> Dream, said, always dreaming of me. Nice to know. <laughs> no, as I was laying there drifting off to sleep, I thought, Ben, Ben, I need to. <laughs> um, and then how weird was it that the next day we both had availability as well? That just never happens in my world anymore. I oh, know. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. And then we ended up chatting for about two and a half hours, I think it was. And I remember getting told, "You, Paul, it's time for dinner. Shush now. <laughs> so, yeah, mate, right. First of all, Ben... I know who you are. I know what you do, and and I I love what you've written about as well. Could you please tell everyone that's listening who you are and why they should listen to us two chatting on for half an hour or so? Well, I I, I knew you were going to ask this question, so I asked my kids, and they basically said nobody should listen to you, Dad. You're boring, which I thought was a bit harsh, but I, I'm going to ignore what they said completely and give you. Give, Oh, kid! No matter what ego you've got, kids can bring you straight back down to ground. I uh, totally, absolutely. But I, I'm otherwise known as the culture guys. Already said I work with organisations on trying to build places where people can thrive. So I, I get alongside leaders that want to do something special with their business. They want to use their business for good, and I help them understand what that is. Help them gather the right people. Help them create a place where those people can do their best work. It's all about building culture and building experiences so that. The people that work for you um, enjoy what they do. They come to work. They're self-motivated. They get the job done, and they can. And also, your customers and your clients. They, you know, they want to do business with you because you're a, a good company to do business with. I help leaders kind of understand that and implement changes in their organisation to make that happen. And, and do you know what? When we were talking, I mentioned that I used to do psychometrics for a large, well-known psychometrics company. And, and a lot of the stuff that you were saying just ticked so many boxes because people seem to start a business because they want to do that thing. They're really good at doing a something and then it builds and it grows and then they've got to employ people to do the stuff that they're not very good at doing. And then they employ someone that's just like them and they expect the person that's just like them to really like doing the stuff that they don't like doing. And, and you start to see it kind of go pear-shaped when it goes, I don't know, but anywhere above five people sometimes. And you see it going off on its own little tangents and you see people getting annoyed with being there, even though they thought it was the best job in the world. And, and when we were talking about it, mate, you're right. If you can get the culture right and if you can think about the culture of a business almost before you worry about where you're putting people and why you're putting people, you can get the culture side right. You can even get the advert for the job description better. Ah, absolutely. I was working with, um, I don't know whether you know Kirsty. she's also a member of the network. I was working with Kirsty. she'd really struggled to find somebody to fill a hole in her organisation. I think she employs four or five people already, but she's looking to kind of grow. She struggled to get somebody that really was able to deliver. We did the work and we articulated what it is they were about, the purpose of the organisation, the heart and soul of it, the values. She put the same advert out. She had four people, all of whom were exceptional candidates, and she had to choose all of a sudden. She was overwhelmed with, well, I can choose now. It was phenomenal. 
So you're right. It is all, and it's not because it's not because leaders don't think about it. It's just because when you start your own business, you do it naturally. It's an extension of you. The enthusiasm and the motivation and the passion all comes from you being involved and four or five people. You still got your finger in every pie. Once you start to have to let go and trust and delegate, you need to be able to duplicate that passion. And that's when I step in and help kind of articulate and define it and talk about the behaviors and things like that. Mate, you did a lovely example of that in your book. And, and you are more than welcome to plug your book on the show as well. OK, um, but in your book, you talked about an insurance company where the three founders were really passionate about getting people cheaper insurance that was actually defined for what they needed. Yeah. And as it grew, they were scared of losing control to start giving their people scripts that they had to stick to, which was nothing like what the three people who founded the company wanted to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, as it grew bigger and bigger, then all of their customers were going, it's not as good as it was because it now just seems like one of those big companies that doesn't care. It's all scripts and it's all set fees. And, and again, mate, you're right. I, I look at some of these companies that started with amazing intentions and then they kind of go past a certain amount of people and they lose their way. Yeah. So, I don't know. Right. Help them, Ben, okay? If there's a company out there that's hitting that 10 people point, that 15 people point, you and I know that is a massively scary moment. Because yeah. the owner has to back away a bit, or or work harder and get divorced, or whatever you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. or be nobody wants owner. nobody wants Plan B. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you know that that insurance company they grew and they grew and they grew. But what the what the founders failed to do was duplicate behaviours. So what they did instead was try and control behaviours. And what you actually have to do is duplicate the behaviors so that the people who are delivering them deliver them with the same passion, the same intent, the same set of values. So you don't have to control them. You can let them loose. And it, I always use the analogy of um, I'm, a, I'm a rugby coach and I coach um, under 15s girls rugby. My job is to get them ready for that game. I teach them the skills they need. I teach them an understanding of how the game works and I give them a game plan. I say the strategy for this game is X, Y, and Z. And then I put them on the pitch. And there's nothing I can do from that point on. They have to make their own decisions. Yes, they know how to play the game. They know the rules. They know where the pitch is marked out because we've been playing on it all season in training. But they then, in those moments, they have to make the right decisions based on the game plan we've put together. And I can't, I don't no longer have any control. What I have to do is build those values in, build that understanding of this is what we're trying to achieve, people. These are the things we're playing towards. Go and do it. And I have to let go. And, you know, sink or swim, they're going to they're achieve something. And that's what you've got to do in your business. You, you can't control people. You've got to give them the playing field. You've got to tell them the strategy. And you've got to tell them the rules of the game. Then you've got to let them go and play their own game. And do you know what? It's a great analogy because if they also know each other's strengths, yeah, they'll know when to give it to that, give the ball to that person because we've got a massive run here and she's got space. She can do this. Yeah. Go. Um, and there's also there's a bit more than that in terms of some of these players skillfully and their eye for the game in the situation are way better than anything I could train them. And if I sat down and said, in this situation, do this, this, and this, in this situation, do this, this, and this, they wouldn't be half as good. Because they've got something in that moment where they just flashes of brilliance that I, you can't teach and you can't legislate for and you can't, 
You can't, I can't explain and give them a script to go through. They just do it because they implicitly understand the game. And, and that's you do what... those players that are already, they've already mapped out the moves they're going to make before the ball's actually even in their hands yeah. because they know their teammate is about to pass it to them. Yeah. And they've already done that look and gone, I'm going that way, that way, that way, then go into there and then they can take over. Mate, that is a beautiful analogy, actually. I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal that off you and pretend it's mine. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> it's not like we're recording any evidence at all. <laughs> so what, what do you think culture is within an organisation? Because I, I've read... Right, I'll be honest with you. I've read more than half the book, okay? I love what I've read so far. When you get to the end, tell me what happens, because I haven't got a clue what the second half's all about. Are you at the point where you've forgotten what happened? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Wait, so many people ask me about bits in my book and I'm like I'm not sure I'll go check I don't know anymore um, <laughs> but what do you see culture because back in my psychometrics days I used to worry about the makeup of a team and then I'd worry about the makeup of a business as a whole because let's be honest the admin team may need a bit of a different attitude to the headhunter sales team and we used to we used to worry about pockets of teams, whereas you look at the whole thing, don't you? Yeah, and we we do we do um, look at boiling it down for different teams in different situations. But ultimately, culture is the outworking of values. So you define your core values. You know, do we have compassion for people? Do we um, do we look at are we about cheerleading rather than critiquing people? You know, pushing them, pushing them, pushing them. Are we about um, doing more with less. You know, what, are, what are our core values? What are the things? Are we about fun? Are we about delivering fun? And those values will manifest themselves in different ways in different teams. So your admin team will be very different to your marketing team, which will be very different to your IT team. But the heart of it is what behaviours reflect those values in that context? And that is what culture is, the behaviours. It is the behaviours. It doesn't matter what you put down on paper and stick on the wall. Unless the behaviours reflect what you stick on the wall, it's not your culture. But you do have to be aware that in different situations, in different contexts, different behaviours will reflect that culture. You know, for example, um, customer service for someone who is rushing for a train is going to be very, very different from customer service from, for someone who is planning a holiday, a train holiday. You know, the second one, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to give you a lot more time I'm going to give you I'm going to give you options and I'm going to talk you through those options. That is top notch service. When you're ready for a train and you need my service, you need answers and you need it now and you need to be told where to go. And I, you know, and the niceties are irrelevant. Getting you on that train in time is service. Yeah. And, and so that person behind that screen knowing that if he's too nice to me, sorry, if he or she is too nice to me, yeah. and I'm on my train, I'm going to be annoyed with that person and that service. Exactly, but if I with that, with that fast and deliberate and pointed, when you would come in to ask information and plan your holiday and plan your, your, your three-week train trip across Europe, you probably wouldn't book with me. No. But you know, that's what service is about. Can I get you what you need at that moment in time? And you've got to trust your people to be able to do that. But contextually, the behaviours will be different. You've just, taken, you've just taken what I know as customer service, and I see them as a, a support team. I see them as a certain type of person. But you've even taken that and gone, actually, no, Paul. It depends on which situation that customer service is in. Yeah. And 
I've never thought about it that way. Because and this is why you need this is why you need to duplicate those behaviours because I cannot tell you how to behave in every single one of those situations. So I have to trust that you really want to deliver the values and trust that you know how to do it in different situations and you can read those contexts. And the ultimate thing is, how do I serve this customer at this point? You know, the first one is, I need to get you on that train as fast as possible. Let me walk you there right now. Yeah. The second one is, because let me in sit that down. situation, when that guy is going, go down those stairs there, yeah. I don't mind that he's pointing. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's getting me to where I need to be. Um, however, if I was sat with an IFA who's trying to talk me through wills and policies and procedures, if they start pointing at me and going, you need to do this, you can jog on, mate. I'm not doing anything with you because this is important. I need to sit down and think about it. Yeah, and it, oh, it's all contextualised. But, so, but the, the whole thing is what behaviours reflect and reinforce the values that you've set, you know, the emotion that comes with those values in that context. That's what you're looking for. See, this is it. You, you've mentioned values there and in your book, which, which we will plug and we will promote later, um, it's not just all about values, is it? It's about, um, I'll, I'll try and get this right, uh, the mission, the values, and the vision of where you're going as well. Yeah. Even reading that, mate, this is something, by the way, I'm buying another copy of your book so that me and Jesse can both have a copy because it's awesome. It even made me think that as such a small company that mental theft is right now and Newton's Nuggets is right now, we've actually got our own little culture going on. We've got a massive level of respect for each other. We've got a massive thought of this is more about family time than it is about working your backside into the grave. And, and, and we both know that. It's a bit like um, I know a lot of the time if Jesse's wife finishes work early, I don't want him to come and do any work with us. I want him to go and enjoy his time with his wife. And then other times, Jesse will go, what are you doing at the weekend? Is it family time? Are you doing this with your daughter? Are you doing that with you? Because he doesn't want to ask me to do stuff because I want to prioritise my family time. And if we ever get to the point of we've got staff as well, that's going to have to be the same with them. Yeah. I want everyone to have a lifestyle that they're going to be happy with and then when they do come to work, they love what they're doing. Yeah. And I think this is, this is one of those culture truths that when two people, two or more people come together, a shared culture will form. Whether you like it or not, a shared set of values, a shared way of doing things, a shared understanding of the world, you will coalesce. And if you aren't explicit about saying this is what we are trying to build culture-wise, it's going to coalesce to the lowest common denominator. So you have to be explicit. And, you know, when there's two of you and you, you kind of share the same values personally, you end up in a good place. But as you grow and as you hire people, what are you measuring those hires against? Are you measuring them against skill? Are you measuring them against oh gut feel? What are you measuring them against? Because you articulating it and saying, this is what's important to us. And then getting to that person saying, and it, this is kind of key. People often talk about culture fit. You know, I'm hiring for culture fit. And I say, no, no, no. Hire for culture contribution. Hire for someone that can come and bring more life to your culture. They bring more colour to it. They express it in a different way. They share your values, but they bring even more to it. That's it. And, and then you start to end up with people that get out of bed with a spring in their step because they want to come to work and they're self-motivated and they want to deliver 
to the standard and quality and level that you want them to deliver. But it's all about... What you just said there almost made me feel excited about the next person that may get involved because I've constantly been thinking, that poor person, they're going to have to try and keep up with me and Jess. This is, this is going to be tough for them. But actually, the way you've said it, I kind of want the next person to be challenging us and making us go, we need to up, we need to up a level. We need to up That's a level. That's it. That is it. They'll come at it from a completely different angle. You know, they'll be... There'll be the third Mark's brother. You know, there'll be that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they'll play off you. And they'll, it, the sum of the parts will elevate yet again because they're bringing their own contribution. They're bringing their own life. They're bringing something new to the expression of your culture. I love that thought. I really do. And it, th thinking that way takes you away from the scary thing we mentioned earlier of when a business owner kind of tries to replicate themselves yeah. in their hires. Oh, yeah. And and that can be a killer because, like I said earlier, you, you end up hiring somebody that's like you to do the jobs that you don't like. Yep. Why, why, that it's just not going to work. It's not going to happen. And you lose diversity as well. You know, the whole concept, actually getting a diverse team really adds life to what you're doing. And if you talk about life and cultural contribution, it's easier to see how different people with the same value set and the same heart of compassion and service can come in and bring something different and a different angle. When you talk about hiring for culture fit, we want, we want somebody that's just like us. You can see how easy it is to end up with a non-diverse team around you. And you've got to be so careful with that. Mate, you know what? You need to talk in the cybersecurity world about that. Because a podcast I did, uh, Jesse hopefully will give me a thumbs up two months ago with Chris Rides, who strangely is one of my old school friends. So he's white, mid 40s, male. And the two of us were talking about how bad cybersecurity is at diversity. And we both said that knowing that we're the stereotypical white, mid 40s male that is in the world of cybersecurity. And we were saying that, do you know what? We need different ages. We need different sexes. We need different ethnicities because they will all think about things differently to me. Yep. And if they think differently to me, they will bypass whatever security I put in because I didn't even notice the issue. Yep. And they will come with a passion, the same passion and value to protect people, to look after people, to help people solve problems before they happen which is what that cybersecurity is about. So yeah, they'll yeah. come with that, but they'll come with a completely different view of the world and they'll come at it in a completely different contextualized way and their behaviors will reflect that value, but be slightly different. And you, all of a sudden you've expanded your worldview. All right, so I'm a, I'm a grumpy bugger of a business manager, okay? Yeah. And I've, I've met them and <clears throat> we do psychometrics on the whole team and one of the things that used to really knock me, and I, I used to make rules around this, the rule was that if you wanted to see other people's profiles, you had to show everyone your profile. And the amount of times that you'd get the grumpy bugger who'd go, well, I want to see all theirs, but they're not going to see mine because then they'd know how to, how to manipulate me. And it's like, oh, come on, you really don't get it, do you? Because if we're all open and we all know how each other likes to be managed, we can then deal with people in a way that they want to be spoken to 
and they will then deliver the job the way they want to do it. So you'll get more out of them. They'll be happier, blah, blah, blah. And you'd still get some that go, no, no, I want to see all theirs, but I don't want to show mine. Now, thankfully, I had enough, should we just say arrogance for today, that I'd go, <laughs> you know what, if you don't show your profile, you leave the room. And I stopped the training here until the only people in the room are ones who are going to share. And the amount of times that you then get the grumpy bugger going, well, I want to stay. Show your profile then. So what's in it for those people who have trouble with changing the way they manage or the way they see a business? It's interesting in that situation because my my immediate reaction is, oh, I wonder why they don't want to share. What's behind that? What is, and I think that kind of sums up, actually, am I managing to understand that person, give them the best they can do, really, truly, and that's what you're about, you know, actually sharing profile allows us to do that, allows me to understand you so I can create a place that's best for you. I can understand the skills that you bring, that you can contribute. I can understand actually how contextually you see the world so I can help train accordingly and help you understand um, understand what what our values look like in the way you see the world. And that, it comes back to that contextualized concept that everybody sees the world differently and everybody understands interprets it differently so we have to be mindful of that in terms of how we define behaviors mate beautiful absolutely beautiful something i will touch on and uh, jesse we might need to edit this bit out i'm not sure okay but ben you've done some work with the only network and that's actually where we met properly um i'd already heard of your work before through a company that said amazing things about you but I never got in touch with you. And then we both went into an only networking meeting and we kind of went, I like what you said. Well, I liked what you said. I hoped you liked what I said. All your thoughts. Cool. I like the hats, mate. Your hat game is top class. It's always the hat. People forget me. They remember the hat. But what's going on, Jesse? On our website, we're just going to start doing photos of the hat. It's easier and it doesn't have to shave. It must be more than one hat. Surely there's more than one hat. Oh, there we go. Don't tell anyone, but there's three. Um, but yeah, to, to, we, we got together on that. And I love, right, I do a lot of networking. I use quite a few networking groups. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Only have sponsored today's show as well, which is just exciting. And you're sat there with an Only top on as well, which is just awesome. So you look at that. Kelly, James, he's even got branding on during the interview. That's just awesome. Um, but for a networking organisation to start looking at the culture of their people. That's forward thinking, mate. It is, and this is why they're doing so well, I think, because they've, they've come at networking from a completely different angle. It's, they've taken and they've said, look, transactional does not work. Community works. People are hungry for community. And personally, they understand community. They want community. And they've built something around that ideal of, we want to build community where people look after each other. You know, people support each other. And yes, that's good for business. Yeah. But it's more than that. There's, there's a whole lot more behind it and underneath it. Yes, it will be good for business. And that's the heart of networking. But ultimately, it, it creates better people, better networkers, better, better business people that then go on to do better business. But it's all about the people. 
And I think to understand that and to really hone in on it and really articulate what that means allows them to make decisions quicker, allows them to understand where not to go, allows them to understand who's in and who's out. Because there will be people that come along to Only and they're just after the transactional stuff that you get in other networking groups. Then they're going to get bored very quickly at Only because it's all about relationship. Yeah, and you can see it even in, um, even in their Facebook group that you and I are both part of. You can even see it in there. Somebody will ask for advice that's, uh, right, I'll use a really bad example. They ask for an advice that's on the accountancy side of their business. You'll then see four different accountants pop up, give the advice, help that person, and not try to hard sell them at all. And that, for me, every time I see it, I'm like, look at that. That's just lovely. Those accountants have proved their value. They've proved their worth to everyone in the group, but they haven't gone, and it's £50 per hour. Thank you very much. It's, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the that's the beauty. The network for people that like people, and it is all about people. And when you put them together, and you put the right sort of people together, again, adds up to more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Right, tell me about the book. Why did you write the book in the first place? It's really interesting because I came... <laughs> I kind of fell into culture by accident, really, because I've been, I, it's took me a long time to realize I understood the world in a different way to everybody else or a different way to the businesses I'd worked in. So I worked in a lot of businesses and looked at it and gone, why are you doing it that way? Surely if you do it this way, your people are going to do more. They're going to be more productive. They're going to be happier. And all the research since I have since discovered backs that up. But I looked at it and thought, but you're the CEO, so you must know something I don't. So I'll just keep my mouth shut. And I went, you know, I worked in um, banks. I worked as I worked as um, touring with a theatre company. I worked running youth centres. I worked um, as a child protection social worker at one point. And all through this, I worked in retail, worked in uh, education. Um, all through this, I'm looking at these organisations going, why are you doing it like that? It doesn't make sense. But you're the CEO. You must know more than I do. And it took me about 20 years to figure out that they actually didn't. And I could see things they couldn't see. And at that point, I started to articulate it and write it down and put it in some form that I could say, look, these are my thoughts. If they help somebody, they help somebody. Here you go. And that kind of morphed into the book that you've got. Um, and more and more people read it. And more and more people thought, that's a great idea. Come and help. And that's how I kind of fell into it. So it was more just uh, trying to get my thoughts on paper in a way that might be able to help people. But it took, it took a long time to get the confidence and understanding that, Actually, I could see things that other people couldn't. You know what? Right. I have got a copy right in front of me here. And I'm going to, this is going to be rubbish for people on the podcast. I've got one chewed by my cat, <laughs> a cheeky little blighter. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, something that I love, this is going to be rubbish for a podcast, but good for YouTubers, is right at the top there, it says you are allowed to write on this book. That just amused the hell out of me. Because the amount of people that get a book and they want to keep it pristine, but it's theirs. That's why I did it. Because it, it's like, there's so much in here. I want to make notes in the margin. I want to remember it. I want to be able to flick back and, and people read it and they put it down. It's like, I don't know where any of that is. I'm like, write in it. Write Mate, in it. Crying out loud. I've been doodling in it. I've been writing, but I've been circling bits that I really like. And, it, and it's just a wealth of, oh, yeah. Why can't we think that way? Moments. Um, and yeah, I've already I've been told off by my wife because I nicked two of our highlighters. While I was... 
Um, so I've, done, I've been doing little stars, I've been doing circles, and we've got coloured in highlighter stuff as well. So it, it works, mate. It really does work. Right, okay. So you kind of done the... how We spoke earlier a little bit about the mission, the values, and the vision stuff. Yeah. How does that small becoming medium-sized business, how do they go about sorting out, you know, the mission? Because... Every business owner at that stage seems to think it's completely their job to do. It, usually businesses start for a reason. Rarely do you find a business owner that's like, I'm starting a business because I want to make a billion pounds and then retire. Yeah, you know, they know they want to they make money. They know they want to make a success of it. And that usually means that they will um, reach the money, money shot. But ultimately... They usually start a business to solve a problem. They usually start a business because they can see something that they can do better. Yeah. And actually, underlying that, 99% of the time, somebody starts a business because they want to solve a problem or serve a need. And there's, there's real purpose behind it. And it usually comes from that. And rarely do you find someone that it is all about the money. And that is where the mission comes from. You know, what is it you're trying to do? And for me... You know, I see a lot of people go to work miserable, go to work and come home. They're doing a job and, you know, they're getting paid, but it's not fulfilling and they're not enjoying it. And it's and yes, you know, we've all got days where we have days like that. Don't get me wrong. Life is never perfect. But I started doing the work that I did one on one saying, well, why is it like that? How can you change that? And I suddenly realized that actually it's going to take bloody ages to get through everybody. So then I stepped up and said, actually, if we can start to help businesses build businesses, that people thrive in, that workplaces are awesome. Actually, you know, I can scale up and exponentially hit more people and more people will enjoy their job. And I do it because I want to see everybody go to work excited and energized and full of life and come home at the end of the day feeling like they've done something worthwhile. And yes, you know, I hope I can earn a living along the way and maybe I'll earn quite a good living. But that's not... And I've rarely met a business owner that doesn't have something underneath the surface that says... This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's not about the money. Yeah, the money's great, and I'm going to charge handsomely for it. But the money's about sustainability. I do that so I can carry on doing what I'm doing and add value to the next person and be here for the next person that needs me. It's not about profit or building a welfare. And don't, before anybody phones in and writes you lots of nasty letters, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why, dear Barry Took. You remember that all those days ago. Um, before somebody writes you one of those nasty, nasty emails, <laughs> I understand that businesses need money. Without money, you're not a business, you're a hobby. But yeah. money is like oxygen. I don't know about you, but I don't live to breathe. I breathe to live. Money is like oxygen. We need it to survive. And when you haven't got any, it's pretty much all you can think about. If I asked you to hold your breath for two minutes, at the end of that two minutes, you're not worried about anything except where your next breath is coming from. But if you breathe, two minutes later, you're worried about what you're having for dinner and what, what's on the Olympics tomorrow. And is the weather going to be fine? You're not worried about your breath. And that's what money is in business. Yes, there are times when it is really hard and we need to think about it and focus on it. But it's yeah. not the reason businesses exist. Do you know what? To, to everyone, that's, everyone that's listening right now, um, they all, they all kind of know what I've gone through in the last 18 months. Because I had two businesses. One was about entertaining crowds of people. The other one was about doing keynote talks to crowds of people. And they both got their backsides absolutely kicked. Okay. And 
all of a sudden we went to a point where both businesses could have collapsed and we could have had to sell our house. And then weirdly, when me and you had that chat after I was abusive to you on a text, <laughs> we then had a chat the next day and something you said to me really hit home and and it was one of the things that just made me go, I like this bloke, I really like the way he's going. And you said to me along the lines of, what's the legacy for mental theft? And I went, yeah, what do you mean? And you said, well, what's the guy? What's going to survive longer, Paul Newton or mental theft? And and I came back quickly. I think it's mental theft because I think we're making a movement towards trying to make people safe. And you just looked at me and went, that's why it's going to survive. That's why it's going to work because that matters to you more than the money does. And you seriously, mate, you made me sit down and think. And I was just like, you're right. There's more behind this than than me trying to. I don't know, buy a brand new car. And then we both laughingly told each other what cars we drive. <laughs> yeah. Neither of us are bothered about cars. Perhaps, people. perhaps best, not, best not cover that in public. <laughs> yeah. we, we won't tell people what we're both driving because I don't know. I could probably crash my car and you wouldn't notice, to be yeah, honest. I was going to say. It's probably, um, uh... Yeah, it was, it was more the fact that both of us have got businesses that aren't about the cash. They're about what we can do for people. And that was one of those moments. When you said that to me, I was like, he's right. And that is why mental theft is going to win through and stay surviving. And that is why I managed to launch a book on a crowdfunder because so many people backed it. And that's it. And that is testament to what you are delivering. You know, because people look at it and go, yes, this is needed. This is not about somebody getting rich of us this is about somebody solving a problem that desperately needs solving i want to help and when yeah. you when you hit that mark when you have that purpose when you really understand what good you are putting out into the world what cause you are fighting for in your business people put their hand up and go i want to be part of that how can i help yeah. how can i come and work for you how can i how can i su support you and that, that is you know that is what you get and that partly going back to the networking that's partly what only is pulling together people with that mindset yep and it was it was somebody else who said to me that mental theft was creating its own movement and that's when i started using that word because i hadn't thought of it that way before and then actually it's like yeah it is this is a movement of people trying to cover each other's backsides yeah and that's what makes it different um Right, mate, I know I've taken too much of your time already, and, and I seriously appreciate you being here. It's always a pleasure. It's always a... We could chat for hours, mate, but, you know... Yeah, we really YouTube could. YouTube will run out of space. Yeah, we've hardly even touched on the psychology side of people and individuals within team, and I know we could do more on that as well. Um, but I told you there would be two questions I would ask, okay? We're already pushing the timings of editing because Jesse is he's getting his little nervous tick on. Sorry, Jesse. Sorry, Jesse. Too much time. It's unbelievable. Um, the second question that I told you I was going to ask is, is based on this. This show started out being called Newton's Nuggets because I was literally pointing a camera at myself and just giving a nugget of information once a week. And it just grew from there. So now what I like to do is I ask everyone that comes onto the show, what's your one nugget of information to help everyone that's listening today? I think for me, the heart of what, I want to deliver and the heart of what I spend my life evangelizing really is what is your business for? Why is the world better 
because your business exists. What are you putting out there that means actually the world is a better place because you have existed? Whether, however long you last, doesn't matter. What are you doing that means it is worthwhile you existing as a business? That is the heart to building a purpose-led business, building a movement, building a tribe, building a cult around your business. Why is the world a better place because you exist? Jeez, wouldn't the world be a better place if every business owner asked that question? Can you imagine? Listen, this is what I, 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 it blows my mind when I think about this. Imagine every business was doing something worthwhile. Every business was solving a real problem in a sustainable way for the benefit of the community and the society in which it existed. You know, and I've got no problem with people making money off that, but imagine if that was the heart of what they were doing. People went yeah. to work excited and energized and full of life, came home fulfilled. Imagine the mood of the nation. Parenting would be easier. Education would be, would be thriving. The health bill would go down. You know, the world would be transformed. Do you know what? I want to be in a world where Ben Drury is PM. <laughs> I don't think I've got the hair for it. <laughs> mate, I definitely haven't got the hair for it. That's, that's... <laughs> but do you know what, mate? Seriously, and I know I've said this to you before, I cannot wait until we're out there and we're sharing stages and we're scaring the life out of people with some ridiculously radical ideas that they all sit there going, oh, my word, these idiots are right. But that... That is it, you know, 50, 25, 50, 70 years from now, people are going to look back and go, oh, oh yeah, why didn't we listen? I'm like, yes, come on. That's why I'm hoping to live long enough to go, I told you so. <laughs> That's it. And then hopefully by that point, our, grand our grandchildren will be going, how did we end up running this? Yeah, uh, exactly. It's all good. I hate to tell you, Dad, but granddad's right. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Right, mate. Shut up. That's it. Stop giving people more information. Okay. You have to be quiet now. I'm going to, I'm going to do the bit that gets me out of this. Ladies and gents, that is the amazing Ben or Benjamin Drury, whichever you prefer. You can find him on Google using either. I know I've checked. Um, he is awesome. He does have loads of different ideas and please go and buy his book. If you're on YouTube, it's the one that looks like that. Okay. If you're not on YouTube, I'm sure Jesse is going to find a link and put it up. Now we are going to go to some adverts. And then we're going to go to the bit where me and Jesse talk about Ben behind his back and he never gets to hear it until the show goes out. There you go. Ben, do you want to say goodbye to everyone? Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much, mate. Right, guys, we'll see you in a minute. Bye-bye. So this advert is about only networking. That's the only dot N-E-T-W-O-R-K. The only .net -k. Now, it's business networking, but not as you know it. They've shaken up business networking by making it more about the people and less about the boring. Seriously, I go along to these network events. They're really great. They're run by really nice people. Every single group they have has people that want to love you and hug you and look after you. It just feels different. And you know what? If you go to one of their events, you might even bump into some dodgy bloke in a trilby and he'll look after you as well. Go and have a look at their website. It really is an awesome network to be part of. See, welcome back everyone. We told you that Ben was lovely. We told you he was awesome and we were right. 
Do you know how I know we're right? Because let's be honest, if he wasn't awesome, we wouldn't have let him on the show. That is true. That is true. That really is true. Mate, I'd look at the list the other... Do you know we've got something like 75 applicants to be on the show? Yeah. We've got another whole year and a half of content, yes? <laughs> no, but we haven't, because you're not going to accept all 75, are you? No, I'm not. No. So, I mean, I say, right, I say that, no, I'm not. No, we're not. Okay? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm more fussy than you are. We have both said, well said. We have both said yes to some others. And then the truth is that sometimes our wives get involved as well. I'm going to say it's a decision by committee. Reality is me and Jesse don't want to get hit. It's true. Yeah. Good. Not, not that our wives hit us. Please help. <laughs> um, no she doesn't she's too short she can't reach it's all good now anyway I hope she doesn't listen to that a short gag publicly she's going to kill me no she's not going to kill me oh I'm digging a deeper hole Jesse. <laughs> do you need me to just pop out and drive around a shovel for yeah. you yeah shall I just I'll just um, I'll just welcome back everyone um, Ben's great isn't he Ben's awesome. He's like, do you know how we know he's awesome? No, stop it. <laughs> okay, so seriously, his book the, the, about all about culture, I'm going to show it to the YouTubers again. Just go and have a read of it. There's some absolutely amazing bits. But do you know what? There are nuggets of information in the book as well. And the amount of things that he dropped to help you just in that interview, it's brilliant. Um, you know, even the fact of the, talking about... What's in it for me? Why should we worry about culture? And then he goes through it so blatantly that if people are happier, they'll be more productive. If they're more productive and happier, they'll give your company more. And, and mate, it was just brilliant. It's, at one point, he even said, didn't he, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. To get and keep the best employees is all about culture. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Is that close that's enough that's to what he, basically what he said, yeah. Did I just qualify what he said? Yeah, you mean yeah, say okay. it differently right. to what people wanted and short form. Yeah. Yes, perfect, perfect. <laughs> and 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 you know what? When something goes in my head and sits in my head and it qualifies it, that means that I like what I heard and I agree with what I heard. But I need to listen to it in a way that Paul would say it to Paul. <laughs> and and seriously, Ben is spot on. I know of people who have left companies and left jobs because they just didn't feel right there. Yeah. And and logically, that's stupid. They could have been getting paid the best money ever. They could have been absolutely nailing it on their targets or whatever. They could have had it easy, but it didn't feel right. That's massive. If you're getting employees that are just idiots and are taking the mick out of the company, you're probably employing the wrong people. Yeah, and I, I always say is that you've got to be careful about the language that you use when you're talking about staff, because yeah. people very people in general, including managers who have got KPIs and things like that that they've got to worry about, very often struggle to think about where the employee is coming from. And their mindset. Sorry, right. We've had this chat before. What does KPI mean to you? Uh, key performance indicators. 
Perfect. Thank you. Um, so, you know, you're reach, trying to reach targets and things like that, or, you know, whether that's your own because you're a small business or you're a bigger business and you've got, got targets to hit. But the reality is, and I, it's interesting, I, I saw, um, I know you're not into sport, Paul. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go in the corner. You but, you're, but you'll like this. Um, okay. So basically, um, what's his face with the beard and the waistcoat from the England football team? God, I'm going to be so helpful with this. I want to say Southgate. Yeah, I'm Gareth, going to say it's a man. Gareth Southgate and Toto Wolff, who is the team boss for Mercedes Formula One. Currently, you could be saying Bob Smith and <laughs> Michael yeah. Douglas. Uh, so Mercedes Formula One, because you don't know, is the, by far the most successful team and has been for the last however many years, probably about 10 years. Um, okay. And they, there was a really interesting program where they brought him and Southgate together to discuss. Now, Southgate, new to managing the England side at the time. And the thing that Toto Wolff said was the most important thing was not to make everybody winners, but to make an environment where everybody could become winners. Nice. It was all about creating the right environment for people to achieve and do the best they could, essentially, and and head in the right direction. And so there, there's all of that. You know, um, Ben talked about things like the mission, so you know where you're heading. You're all heading in the right direction together, and that vision and the values and where you're going and what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve. Very often, and and I know you'll know this from working in both good and bad sales environments Paul is yeah you get a lot of places where you get the numbers like uh, we've talked about this recently you know how many meetings are you going to to achieve in a week rather than is that the most important thing or is that just a metric that you've got because you think that's what's going to get you the most business and yeah. so actually having the right environment for people to do work the best to their own ability in the way that they work is much more important um and all this chat about culture um there's an outdoor sh- store called patagonia again another thing that you're really interested in going outdoors and um mountaineering and all of that sort of stuff paul mm-hmm. Tre- yeah, trekking yeah, and sports yeah. and surfing and stuff now patagonia i went crabbing last week was that- <laughs> <laughs> did you catch crabs last week but don't answer it's um, three of my bestest buddies. <laughs> That's camping trips for you. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, so this company, Patagonia, um, yeah. a lot of people don't know what the name of the company, but they're like a billion pound, turn, billion dollar turnover company. Um, and they literally, people fight for jobs there. People are queuing up for jobs because they attract the right people because of the style of the company they are and yeah. the way that they work and if if for example somebody is uh, you know if a a building that people are working at happens to be near a coastline and there's good surf half the half the office who are into surfing will just 
cancel the next two hours and go and surf in because there's good surf because they know yeah. what and but what it means is that the company knows that the people there understand what the customers are wanting at the end ultimately. and that's big isn't it yeah that's you can you can you can lie to your customers you can pretend to your customers but when your customers really know their stuff they'll know when you know the customer care service doesn't have a clue and is just following a script They'll feel it. Uh, well, as as a photographer, I could I can tell you now one of the main reasons that photography shops don't do well is because essentially photography shops are there for the handful of people who have a lot of money but don't really know what they're doing and just want to go and buy an expensive camera. Yeah. Because yeah, I have only ever once been in a photography shop a camera shop where somebody has known more than me about the cameras and we Mate, had... i love it when i if i walk into a magician's shop and then they're quite well hidden they're not down diagon alley but they are quite well hidden um and and you go in and the person's a working magician behind the counter and and well thankfully in the ones that i go to now they know me quite well but the lovely thing is you get people who go Oh, this will work really well for your type of act. Because yeah. they know the, the routines that I would come up with around whatever they're selling. Yeah. Um, I, I've asked I've asked all sorts of questions in camera shops before. And generally speaking, I've known that the answer, if they've given an answer, because very often they didn't know at all, and if they've given an answer, normally I've known it's a load of rubbish. See, but this is it. I've got more respect for somebody who would go, I don't know, but I'll find out for you. Ah, uh, yeah, we'll find out for you. <laughs> that's the bit yeah. that's always missing when you go to a camera shop. Uh, right, back anyway. to Ben. Yes. We're not talking camera shops or magician shops. Right, down to Ben's nugget. Yes. I thought that was kind of what and you were talking about. <laughs> I Yeah, it brings us to it nicely. The whole what's the legacy of your business and why or how does it make the world better for being there? Um. For, for for mental theft, we know why. Those messages when people send us an email or a voice note or a you know a something saying, "Paul, I just had a scammer trying to do X Y Z," which is exactly what you warned me about. Yeah, and and, and, and I, we we knew why when we were starting the mental theft idea, didn't we? We knew why we were yeah. doing that. Yeah, and but I think. It's that is very powerful, but actually, the legacy of your business it it might not be obviously that powerful, but actually, you you need to think about the differences you're making to your customers. Um, yeah. it's really important because because actually, that's what's really important to the customers at the end of the day. And you know, where are the you know things like selling someone a website is so much more than just having a website it's it's that whole face and the platform and could be a place to to sell to your customers and all the rest of it and that could be life-changing and that's kind of the way that you need to think about these different things at whatever it is that you're doing i chose one thing because i know somebody who does a very good job of that um or a few people that do a very good job of that um but yeah yeah it doesn't matter what it is that you're doing 
you need to be thinking about what a massive change to people's worlds that you're you're having as your business i think that's really important yeah it is and if you do if you do this right this isn't just going to change your generation it's going to change the next generation and the next generation um and that's what i'd love i'd love it if mental theft turned into a massive force against scammers everywhere um and it could it really could um, Newton's Nuggets. I just want to know that somebody's laughing. <laughs> if you mean if other than us two, <laughs> yeah, actually, no, even if it's just us two chuckling away at each other's stupid moments, I'm kind of happy. And do you know what? Anyone that's listening, I hope you've had a bit of a laugh. Um, on the intro for today, uh, we mentioned that we've got a spare book of Ben's, yeah. uh, The Culture Guy. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a little competition, okay? And it's as easy as this. If you give Newton's Nuggets a, a written testimony, now you can do that. Where did we on iTunes? You can do testimonies and yeah. reviews. Um, we're going to put a form up on Newton's Nuggets website. You can do the testimony on there. Um, if you do one of those two things, we will take it as a, an entry to the draw. We will put your name in a hat, probably a grey trilby, because I can't be bothered to find any other hats. And and we'll pull one winner. Um, what do you reckon, Jesse? All entries have to be in before the next show's released. How's that? Yeah. Was yeah. that too quick? Too quick. Give it two weeks. Two weeks. Right. Fourteen days from this show going out. So what day is this one going out? The fourth. fourth? So your deadline's the eighteenth. So we'll mention it on the eighteenth. Yeah. And we'll be telling everybody who the winner is on the 25th. Perfect. We like that. Ladies and gents, you've got to get your entries in by the 18th. And when I say by the 18th, I mean 12 midnight on the 18th. Um, and then we'll let everyone know who the winner is on the 25th on the show. Jesse, anything else you want to say about Ben other than he's gorgeous and people should look at him on YouTube? Um, uh, links will be in the description to go and buy his book. So go and, go and buy it. There you go. Links will be in the description. Go buy his book. Uh, support our sponsors. And do you know what? We've our show's been growing and growing and growing. And then for the last three months or so, it's kind of hit the same numbers each month. So I'm going to ask you a massive favour. Can you please share this show with someone you care about that wants to build their business and needs to look at things a bit differently? Go and share the show. Fingers crossed, we'll double our numbers in a month again. <laughs> Mate, it's weird when it happens, isn't it? Yeah. It just, it does our head in. Right. Anything else? Or are we going to say goodbyes now? Goodbyes now. Ladies and gents, goodbyes now. Goodbyes now. Goodbyes now.